Welcome back, Giants fans. We are back, me and Christiane Ertana. The Giants coming off another victory. They remain undefeated. One of the few teams left that are undefeated. We'll see how much longer this goes on. It could go on for two more weeks. We'll find out. But Chris, what's up, buddy? How are you? Why stop it too, Mike? Let's make Why it 15, stop. Make it 15 more weeks. <laughs> no, but no, I mean, I'm really excited, man. It's nice. And and I, I'm not going to go crazy. You know, I still haven't even altered my preseason prediction. I said seven wins. I think I'm keeping it there for now to be safe, even though Obviously, I think it's much more likely now they could exceed it, being that we got off to a nice, fresh 2-0 start. But we'll see. And we'll talk about the, you know, the the, the Cowboys game coming up, and I'm sure, in the, in the uh, you know, throughout the conversation and everything else. But regardless, you know, you got to be happy if you're a Giant fan. I, I understand some Giants fans are cautiously optimistic, as they should be. This team still has a lot of question marks, but there's still so much to grow on. You know, that's the way I look at it. Like, we clearly are not playing our best football as a team yet. We didn't have Thibodeau. We didn't have Old Jolari. The offense, it's going to get better. I, I really, truly believe it's going to get better. <laughs> so the way I look at it, Mike, is this team is going to be better. This team's only going to get better. We're not at our best yet. And the signs of a good team, not saying we're good yet, but the signs of a good team is when you're able to win when you're not at your best. And so far, the Giants have been able to do that. That has been the biggest takeaway so far. It's mostly like coaching, and the Giants would have blown these games in the past, as we know. But you've said it, like knowing that they're two and zero, and knowing that there's so much to build on from what they've done so far is like the optimistic part of what's gone on here. Now, I think the problem is some fans are thinking the Giants are playing super well and that they're two and zero. That's not really it. I think what we're supposed to be well, excited. What for, I'll say, Mike, I think on defense we're playing super well. Oh yeah, that's that's true. Offensively. Yeah. Yeah, has to be a lot better, right? Like the passing offense is, I think, 31st in the NFL right now. Obviously, it has to get better, and it will get better. But the main part is, is that these are games that in the past five years we lose. I think we all can agree on that. The Titans game, we lose. He makes that field goal. And then last week, you know, something goes wrong. The Giants probably don't get the first down. Jones, you know, doesn't scramble for the first down. Exactly what I and said. Then in my the Panthers, yeah, the yeah. Panthers come down, tie it, and they go to overtime. Giants lose. Like, we have seen that so many times. So, you know, not to, to kiss Brian Dable's ass too much, but I've been very impressed so far. Don Martindale has been unbelievable. And offensive scheme-wise, I've been more impressed and you know this is the best Giants offense scheme wise I've seen maybe ever I, I mean it's it's impressive so we have a lot to look forward to the talent's not all there yet but I think as Giants fans we realize that we're in good hands and that's the most important part to me exactly that's that's my exact take and I I'm gonna enjoy the season I know a lot of people are thinking about long-term problems they look at Daniel Jones they say like you said 31st offense We'll see. You know, we got 15 more games to analyze them, but I'm not worried about the draft. I'm not worried about quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm worried about analyzing this year's team. And then at the end of the year, them coming to a conclusion, not just on Jones, but all the players on this roster, figuring out the needs of the roster. But let's enjoy the season. We're off to a 2-0 start. I know fans are so accustomed to starting to think about the draft by week six or seven. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case this year, especially with some of the games we got coming up, especially in that four-game window we've talked about after the Ravens game, where you figure they should be able to win at least two of those four, worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. I know, like, the Lions look better now, but, I mean, you still think Houston we should be able to beat. And, and you know, so there's definitely a lot of winnable games still on the schedule, but just take it week by week and just enjoy some of the growth of this football team. And, and, and the biggest positive I take out of it so far is the coaching. Like you kind of said, the adjustments they've made. I think that's the sign of a good coaching staff. Like the offensive game plan clearly wasn't working week one at all. They made adjustments. It looked a lot better. Same thing this week. And the defensive adjustment at halftime this week, even though the defense was good in the first half, it looked like a completely different defense in the second half in terms of their approach. 
where they were just blitzing from all over the field. Baker Mayfield didn't know where it was coming from. And Wink Martindale just did an incredible job in that football game. Yeah. What did you think about the having Cordell flop mostly on DJ Moore? Because that surprised a lot of people and myself included. And then kind of like not doubling Robbie Anderson, but like just, I don't know, like putting extra attention. Not like, uh, how do I explain it? You know what I mean? Though, like it wasn't really like the cornerback wide receiver matchups we were expecting for the Giants defensively. Like it was, it was weird. Yeah. I, I think they're, I think the Giants line of thinking in that game was they they didn't want Robbie Anderson to beat them over the top. They didn't yeah. want to get hit by a big play. They wanted to make the Panthers work to go down the field. I think it was the same reason why McCaffrey had a good game on the ground. The Giants were like, we'll give you the rushing yards. We're not going to stop the line. We don't want to get beat in coverage. We don't want to get beat for a 70-yard touchdown, uh, something that Robbie Anderson is clearly you know capable of doing, and it worked. So I, I think that was it. I think they looked at Robbie Anderson as the guy that was more capable of scoring a 70-yard touchdown. So they, they wanted to minimize him. Yeah, that's a lot of NFL defenses these days are doing like these high cover twos and they, they don't want to get uh, beat deep. So, I mean, you know, Don Martindale, I think, had a good approach this game. I was very impressed once again. We know what they did in the second half, especially in week one versus the Titans and how great they played defensively. And as you said, he's doing it without his two best pass rushers. And I do want to give credit. His, and without his corner and without Leonard Williams. Yeah, <laughs> Leonard Williams missed the whole fourth quarter, basically, too. Um, I do want to give credit to a couple guys that filled in for the pass rushers, Jihad Ward, O'Shane Zimenez. They played very well. I mean, O'Shane made a few very big plays in this game, and he he was a guy a lot of Giants fans, even myself included a bit, kind of like wrote him off like he was yeah. nothing. And the Giants and, and even, you know, Joe Shame in this current regime, they looked at O'Shane's tape and said, we can make this fit into Don Martindale's scheme. They kept him around. A lot of people questioned it, but I would say so far it looked good. You know, last week he was a big player for the defense. I think O'Shane Zimenez is a perfect example. And yeah, that was a popular thing on Twitter. I didn't kill the Giants for it, but a lot of people did because a lot of people wanted Roche. I was never a fan of Zimenez, but I said, all right, New coaching staff, they feel like he probably fits the scheme better. I'm going to give him an opportunity. And that's the sign to me of a good coaching staff that they identified that. And you see what Zimenez was able to do when, th you know, when thrown into the starting lineup. And, yeah, he was great. He had a sack. He had a uh, he had a good play in coverage where he almost came up with an interception. Yeah. Um, he was, he's was he been very good. He stepped up in a big way. But I think that, that speaks as much about the coaching staff as Zimenez himself because we didn't see that uh, from Zimenez since he's been a New York giant. Yeah. So you got to give credit. And I'm going to give a lot of credit to Leonard Williams, even though he went down with the injury. He, he, he was very active. The stats may not indicate it, but he was blowing up a lot of plays up the middle that actually led to the Zimenez sack. And Dexter Lawrence, I feel like had a play that went a little bit overlooked, even by myself included. And then when I went back and watched the game, there he was chased, a play chase Baker down, right? Chase Baker. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Where, where it was, it looked like a clear first down. He was able to get him the fourth and one. And then they, then they had the full start penalty. So they had to punt. That was a huge play in that football game, and, and Dexter Lawrence continues to play well. Yeah, when you see a guy, what's Dexter, 340? When you see him yeah. chase down a quarterback like that, it's it's impressive stuff, and it also makes you scared because if a guy that big can move that well, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, defensively, the funny thing is about this game, I saw people on Twitter talk about batting balls down from Mayfield, and, like, the first drive, it seemed like Baker had first, two or like, three, three balls. Drives, right? I I mean, like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not many times you see, like, everybody on Twitter agree with something and, like, the exact thing plays out how we expected it to. That was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Adoree Jackson, too, how well he's played. I mean, like, we definitely have had concerns about him being healthy, and we're two games in, so he has to remain healthy the rest of the year because if he doesn't, that's not going to be good for our secondary, obviously. But I would say so far, looking at his advanced numbers and everything, I think somebody tweeted it out. He's been just 
amazing. I mean, he, there was one play he was in coverage where Baker made that crappy throw on the DJ Moore out route on a third and one yeah. and hit off DJ Moore's one hand. But like, you know, Adore Jackson's been awesome. Like, I just hope he can keep it up. As we said, he should be here next year due to the contract, but he's playing at a cornerback one level right now. Yeah, I, I even said that today on Twitter. Um, I said I think I feel like he's the most underrated New York Giant, yeah. um, Adore Jackson, because like last year, a lot of people didn't like the signing. They said you overpaid, wasn't worth the money. And I think he kind of went under the radar because like early in the season, a lot of Giants fans gave him slack because he dropped the interception, even though that was a tougher play than people really made it out to be when you really went back and watched it. Not saying he shouldn't have come up with it. He should have, but it was a tough play. But he played well last year. You know, you think about the performance he had against the Chiefs last year in that game. He was great in that game uh, where, I, where I think he was manned up on Tyree Kill the entire game. Bradbury was on Kelsey, I think. Um, but he was great in that game, the defensive game plan in that game. And he was a good player for them all year. And now, like you said, he's getting more of a role this year now that he's got to be the cornerback one. And so far, so good. I mean, he's done a really good job for this Giants team. And you could argue he's the most important player on this defense. Um, you know, when you factor in our limitations, like you said, at that at that position and, and the fact that we want to blitz as much as we're going to right now, the Giants have blitzed 42 percent of the time, which is the third most in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you know, Don Martindale had that reputation coming here and he's lived up to it so far. I'm sure you went over this in your preview because you're good with research and things like that. But I'm sure you saw the stats about Baker Mayfield versus Don Martindale throughout his career when Martindale was the Ravens DC and Baker, of course, was the Browns quarterback and they had all the AFC North matchups together. Baker did not fare well in those matchups. And Baker is a quarterback that when you pressure him, he, he makes Pretty bad decisions. He rushes his throws. We saw this on Sunday. So coming into it, I felt pretty good about that particular matchup that Don Martindale has historically gotten the better of Baker Mayfield. Now, I did have the concern like, okay, he had better talent in Baltimore on defense, but it didn't matter. Like the pressure killed Mayfield. The biggest play of the game, the Julian Love sack, that came to fruition as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, it just... It was like history repeated itself. It didn't matter if it was if it was the Ravens defense or the current Giants defense. Don Martindale just got in Baker's head once again, and it worked out. Yeah, I think Don Martindale, the type of scheme that he runs, and yeah, I did see that. I I, didn't, I don't remember all the exact stats, but yes. yes, I did look into that. And yes, he had he had good numbers against Mayfield. Um, but um, I think the type of scheme that he runs and the, and the approach that he has, you're going to see him have success this year with a lot of the teams on our schedule because I think if you're going up against mediocre quarterbacks. They're going to struggle against the defense like Don's. When he goes up against the Rodgers of the world, that's a different story. I I could see him picking us apart with the limitations we have on our defense, um, and it's going to get ugly. But at the end of the day, he's probably going to pick apart most defenses. But I think against quarterbacks like Tannehill, quarterbacks like Mayfield, quarterbacks like Rush this week, um, you know, the following with Justin Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a young quarterback. Like, I, I feel like he's going to give a lot of these guys fits this year. So, I think it's going to work with our schedule, especially as we start to get healthy. Um, I have a lot more confidence in this defense uh, than I did going into the year. That's for damn sure. When you look at what we've been able to do, um, you know, without Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari. So it's been it's been beyond encouraging thus far. Yeah, and hopefully we get these pass rushers back this week. It seems like the news has been positive about Thibodeau. Haven't heard much about Ozilori. I don't know if you have, but I'm just no. really hoping we get these guys back because, like, you know, it's a primetime game. It's against Dallas, and it would be awesome on a national stage if, like, these guys can make their season debut for Kayvon, an NFL debut, and put on a show, hopefully, against a Dallas offensive line that has not been the same as it has been the past seven, eight years. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that. I, I guess once we go over the offense yeah. of, of last week, but I'm really amped up for that game. I'm leaning, and I'm not a doctor. I don't work for the Giants, but I'm leaning that Thibodeau's probably gonna play. I don't think Old Jolari's gonna play. I think Old Jolari just I just feels like this is gonna be something that lingers throughout the year. Like he had the hamstring, now he's got the calf. It's two like lower body injuries. I feel like he's gonna come back at some point, but I think it's gonna be a bit longer than we think. Yeah, even if they keep him out, so the tough games like the Packers was that week five. I mean, yeah. I can live with that. Of course, the Bears are pretty beatable for the most part. I don't know if you've seen the like the Bears passing attempts this year. I know we're going two weeks at the Bears passing attempts this year have been like just laughable. Like the Giants are 31st in passing offense, but the Bears are like twice as worse as the Giants. Like it is bad. Like they he don't. 70, he had pass, 70 yards last week. Justin, they Field. just don't pass the ball. Like it's it's crazy. So anyway, yeah. um, so I don't know if you noticed this, but like I'm looking at the snap counts now. So Julian Love, Xavier McKinney played 100 percent. No surprise. But. There was a rookie in here that almost played 80%. Dane Belton, 79% of snaps. The Giants went a lot of three safeties. I think sometimes even four on the field. Yes. Was that a surprise to you? Because personally, for me, it wasn't. I think no. our, line, our linebacking core is not the strongest. And like they want to play faster, of course, blitzing these guys. I think it made a lot of sense. I like having these three safeties, Love, McKinney, and Belton out there. Yeah, I um, actually, I said that. I think in my, in my preview video, is I, I expected a ton of three safety looks. Um, I think it's matchup dependent, but I think against this team, it made a world of sense to do that. And it probably had something to do with why McCaffrey run the ball as well as he did, because we didn't have a lot of, you know, middle linebackers out there. So when he got to the second level, he was able to take off. But you needed those guys in coverage to minimize McCaffrey coming out of the backfield as a receiver, which I think was a weapon that everybody was worried about going into that game because we know Calitro, they're not covering him. Yeah. So I, I think it made a world of sense, and, and I think they'll go week to week with it. Certain weeks they'll have more three and even four safety looks like you were saying um, than others, depending on, on, on the matchup that they're going up against. This could be another week where you see that, though, because obviously Pollard's a threat coming out of the backfield. He's a mismatch with our linebackers in coverage. Um, so I could see it again, maybe not quite as much because Zeke's a thumper. But I, I, I could see it again where you see more than we saw week one. Let's put it that way. But it made, this week it made all the sense in the world. Yeah. I don't know if Zeke's a thumper anymore. I, I don't know what he is. He's like yeah. a uh... – I don't know. I don't want to say anything bad, but he does not look good at all. Hey, he's a cowboy. Say whatever the hell you want. I, I still, I don't know. <laughs> it's rough. Um, I want to say something else. Damn. Well, even Tony Jefferson, I think he played 29% of snaps. So, or no, 17. Sorry. Fabian Moreau got 29%. He actually made a big tackle, Moreau. On yes, the, he uh, did. On McCaffrey. McCaffrey that, that was the point I wanted to make. McCaffrey didn't really have that great of a game if you take out that one big ass, like 50 yard run. Like they kind of kept him in check, you know? Yeah, 49 yards. And I, I he, he was running fairly consistently. He was getting like three, four, five yards at a clip. But yeah, he wasn't gashing us. Barkley was kind of the opposite where he got completely stopped in the first. And then yeah. even though he didn't have that 50 yard run, he had a bunch of like, eight to 11 yard runs like the, mm -hmm. when we needed him the most where he really started to get it going so Barkley I actually don't look better than McCaffrey as the game wore along even though McCaffrey like you said had that one big run yeah uh I think Barkley's highest was 17 yards maybe yeah it was I mean, on the touchdown drive that, that yeah one, one run off the right side that drive that drive man if we can replicate that a few times per game that'd be freaking great <laughs> that was great that drive if you yeah. take but if you take that drive away like the offense looks so bad I mean we'll get into yeah. it but like um last point I want to make about the defense I feel like a lot because I was petrified as you mentioned like of the McCaffrey versus the linebackers matchup in pass coverage like Calitro on McCaffrey was not something I was looking forward to but I think Don Martindale's defense was so aggressive that they kept McCaffrey 
McCaffrey into pass block a lot. Like really? I didn't exactly go back and look at every single snap, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like McCaffrey wasn't even used that much as a receiver when coming into the game, it was an obvious advantage for the Panthers, but maybe they couldn't use McCaffrey because they needed another, like a sixth offensive lineman, basically. Yeah. And McCaffrey was that guy. So, I mean, that's kind of how it worked. I think. Yeah, no, you're probably right. I mean, like you said, they're sending six guys every play. You need an extra guy in there to help your quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Offensively, um, let's see. We have a franchise left tackle, right? By the because... way, before, before we jump into the offense. Yes. Graham Gano. Oh, hell yeah. Graham Gano. <laughs> Give that guy whatever he wants. I mean, I, I, I had a guy on Twitter today, and I thought about it after he said it, and I retweeted it and gave my opinion. Because I said something nice about Graham Gano. I don't, I don't remember what I said. But then he was like, I, I'm sorry. I can't get hyped about the Giants because all these Giants fans are hyping a kicker. <laughs> and then I retweeted it. And I said, if Graham Gano wasn't a Giant, we'd be 0-2. Because I said, if Graham Gano wasn't, if he was a Titan week one, we would have lost. Because he would have made the 46-yard field goal. Yep. And if he wasn't a Giant this week, we probably would have lost. Because he made a 56-52-yard and 52 yard field goal. Graham Gano has been so important to this team. And all you got to do is watch the first week. And look at the Titans kicker, right? When, when the game was on the line, he doesn't get it to go. So he's been so good. And I, I think he needs to get a little bit more credit than, so, you know, some people may get, be giving him around the league. Absolutely. Yeah, especially around the league. I mean, yeah, you don't want to rely on your kicker to be your main source of offense. Sure. Like, it's like the 20, what was it? What was Tebow's year? The 2012 Tim Tebow year when that kicker kept making 60 yarders yeah. to win the games. Might have been Matt Prater. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Graham Gano has been awesome. I just, you know. When he came over from Carolina, he was coming back from the injury, I think, and we had some concerns of will he be the same guy. I mean, he's he's been awesome, been worth every dollar so far. So I was getting the best free agent signing. If, <laughs> Either that yeah. or Adore Jackson, probably. I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> maybe Bradbury, but it's up there. It's top five. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. Offensively. All right. Franchise left tackle Andrew Thomas deserves to be well known around the league by now, and he's finally getting it. I think people I saw. Um. That Ari Mirov account, which is the big yeah, NFL yeah. account people follow now, he even gave a personal um, praise to Andrew Thomas. Like, I think people are starting to get it now. Like, this guy is legit. Um, I think coming into the year, people were not giving him respect for whatever reason. I get he missed a few games in the past with injuries, but now we're seeing it. Like, yeah, he allowed a few pressures this game. Okay, you're playing against very athletic edge players and Gross Matos and uh, Brian Burns. It's going to happen, but didn't allow a sack. I don't think he's allowed a sack this year, right? Thomas has been flawless in that category. Um, uh, I, 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 if I remember his numbers off the top of my head, uh, overall 89.1 PFF grade, which is first, like you said. Yeah. Second is 83.3, so it's a huge yeah. drop-off. Um, he's only surrendered – it was either three or four pressures in 134 snaps and no sacks. So – He's been dynamite. He's been great. Um, as big of a jump as he took year two, which was gigantic. It looks like he's going to match that level of jump this year. He like I think last year he was like a fringe pro bowler. Now he's all pro. Like he's yeah. that level now. And I only expect it to continue. I, he's dynamite. And it's great news for the offensive line going forward. We still have our limitations on the line. We still need to plug up at least two more holes in the future on the interior. Evan Neal, I have no doubt in my mind, is going to mature as a football player. It may not be this year. He may struggle this year, much like Andrew Thomas did. Hopefully not. Hopefully over the second half of the season, he really hits his stride. But regardless, I think the experience with Thomas should give this fan base a lot more patience now with Evan Neal on the right side. Yeah. Speaking of patience, I, I can't – I like. I just remember people comparing Thomas to Eric Flowers' his first few games. 
I was like, guys, come on, like give the guy some time here. But um, yeah, thankfully Thomas came around. He was a fourth overall pick. So obviously the Giants had a lot invested in him, but that I one think- worked out. That yeah. one worked out. Uh, you know, people laughed it off after the draft, Mike, and they said, oh, he's the fourth best in the class. Gentleman whiffed again. <laughs> Flowers. Well, look at it now. Uh, Mackay Becton keeps going all you can eat buffets. He can't stay on the football field. Yeah. He's hurt again. Um, J- Jedrick Wills has become a mediocre lineman. Yeah. You know, last year you look at his numbers, he fell up, and this year so far he's off to a mediocre, probably less than a mediocre start. And Tristan Works has a 75 grade and plays on the right side. Only two yeah. weeks. But Andrew Thomas is at least, yeah, he's cementing himself as the best, certainly the best left tackle in that draft, and arguably may end up being better than Tristan Wirfs as an overall tackle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that pick is looking better and better by the day. Yeah, I had like Thomas and uh, Wills on like the same tier. I'm happy they went Thomas now. Looking back on it, because as you say, Wills is like a fine starter, but like Andrew Thomas is looking like all pro level type player, and that's a big difference. So. Thank God. Uh, thanks, Dave. All right. So <laughs> the, the center and right guard spot, I would say, like they had some issues in this game. Glowinski, I think, allowed a sack. And then we had that run play where Feliciano got blown up. It was a run play to Barkley to the right side. And his guy just went right through him like he wasn't there. I don't know who the Panthers guy was, but you know what play I'm talking about. So there's been inconsistencies with the interior. Not much of a surprise because we knew that coming into the year. But our tackles, at least, especially Thomas in year one, they're showing like they're going to be here for a while. And we have that taken care of. So hopefully next year, the years going forward, we can find ourselves a decent center, decent left guard, maybe draft you know one or two of those guys and, We'll have a good offensive line finally. It's been a long time, but we'll get there. And maybe Azudo will develop into something. You yep. know, I, you know, he struggled a bit. Let this past, not a bit. He was bad this past game, but um, he didn't get as many snaps as he did week one. He got uh, less snaps actually, but he's definitely a guy. When I watch him, I could see the potential. I see the athletic upside. He's definitely a guy that you could see why we drafted him. So hopefully he could develop. But if not, yeah, you have to continue to draft that offensive line, even if they're not going to be starters. Depth is very valuable, right? So mm-hmm. they need to continue to do it, but. The fact that we feel like we got two strong tackles, when's the last time you can say that as a Giants fan? The, the rest should fill in over time, especially if Neil could develop into a very good right tackle. Because then all of a sudden, all right, now you got two guys you can stick out on an island on either side of the line and just let those three guys kind of help one another against the rest of the defenders where you could just rely on Neil and Thomas to just man up on their own so that that'll help the interior if Neil could develop. So I, the, the long-term view of this team for me right now is beautiful um because i do think that line is trending way upwards i think it'll continue to struggle this year specifically in the first half but long term the line looks in great shape yeah definitely and it's nice having it's nice having faith in our head coach and general manager to make the right moves and so far they've been great i mean look it's only two games in a lot can happen a lot can change but i am definitely optimistic about the future of this team right now um all right so talk about the quarterback daniel jones he was 22 of 34 176 one touchdown no turnovers thank god 87 quarterback rating should have had one we'll talk about that um (laughs) on the ground he was 10 for 21 21 rushing yards, not a lot, but some of those rushing plays big because he had the fourth and one pickup on the rollout and the game ceiling rush where he almost stumbled, stumbled over himself. Luckily, he kept his footing and made a nice play, improvised, picked up the first down, slid, Giants win. So Jones, I would say, I, listen, I think people are giving him a little too much credit for how he's played. I know he's 2-0 and and I'm a quarterback record guy. He's done enough to put them in positions to win, but I think people are acting like he's you know, the reason the Giants are winning. I don't know about that. But I think in this game, 
he looked pretty good for the most part. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. I know the near interception before halftime would have been horrible and it would have maybe have been a pick six, honestly. But um, but we have seen the people that go over all 22 film like, you know, Bobby and, and Dan Schneider, all those guys, they like have they have showed videos of Daniel Jones missing open receivers downfield. And like you'll get comments of people saying like, oh, Daniel Jones doesn't have enough time to throw, which is true sometimes. And sometimes receivers don't get open. But then you see like three, four or five examples of him not taking chances deep. And my thing is like Daniel Jones is in a make or break season. We said this last year, but definitely this year, especially with a new GM. If you're not going to take those chances, they're not going to like that. Like Joe Shane's not going to settle for a game manager, which I feel like Jones is kind of shooting for right now. If I'm Daniel Jones, I'm taking more chances. Like what, like you might as well go out trying because if Daniel Jones has this, like I'm going to be conservative and not lose us the game type attitude. I don't think there's any chances back here. He's very, very replaceable, especially with like his contract being up. Like if I'm Jones, I'm like, I'm, I'm slinging it. I'm taking these chances. And like, if it doesn't work, okay, but at least go out trying. Don't, don't just settle for these dump offs. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, as far as Jones goes, I yeah, I think for the most part, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I gave him a C plus week one. I'm going to give him a C plus again. Um, you know, I, I think it was slightly above average when you factor in the moments in which he, you know, because that's important for a quarterback coming yeah. up in the big moments, right? He had the big drive at the end to seal off the game. He started to wake up in the second half when they needed him. We were down 13-6, scored a big touchdown, had two scoring drives after that. So I give him a C plus. He made mistakes, right? He definitely missed Tony on one big play that for sure. And you saw, you didn't need the old 22 to see that it was <laughs> right in front of your face when you were watching the game, uh, the obvious pick six, which I, I do want to say, and I, I'm not excusing Jones for the throw. It's a horrible decision. I thought Dable should have called a timeout before that play, because it, I think they only had 45 seconds when he completed the pass. They still had two timeouts. You're trying to get in field goal range and they wasted 16 seconds getting up to the line of scrimmage. So it was that about 30 or 29 seconds. Mm -hmm. And while I was watching the game, I'm like, Dable should call a timeout with like 43 seconds left. You still got one timeout left. And then you 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 go to the line of scrimmage more prepared for a very important play coming up on second and one. So that, you know, and that's being a bit nitpicky overall. I love Brian Dable. I thought that was a minor mistake on his part. I thought he should have called a timeout before that play. But the, yeah, the pass by Jones was inexcusable there. But overall, it's a small step. It, I like it. It's nothing that blew me away. Like you said, I don't think he won us the game. But he had key moments, very much like week one, very much like week one, where he had some key moments, didn't put the team on his back, but he did what he had to do when the game was in the balance. So good job, not great. Uh, pretty good job, not great. We need to see him to continue to grow up this. But I do think we're going to see this offense evolve. I do. I think we're going to see more chances over the course of the year. I just don't think we're going to see it quite yet. And I don't think we'll see it this week against Dallas either. Uh, going up against that team, and I'll, I'll talk more about that while we get into the game. But so far, so good for Jones. But obviously, I think we realize we're going to need to see a lot more. Yeah, at least he definitely outplayed Baker Mayfield because we know the history between those two guys with Baker's quotes about him. And let me say it right now. I was a Baker guy. I mean, I think I give up. I I, 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 I know the Panthers situation is not great, but like he just did not look good. And I think it might be over for him. I think he might be after this year of one of those journeyman type guys. He did. He brought Cleveland to the playoffs. That was cool. But like, I think, I think it's over. I think his confidence is pretty much shot. I don't know. It's just, he doesn't seem like the same guy with the same swagger anymore. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then he doesn't have what he had in Cleveland in Carolina. I mean, yeah. you know, you're not gonna be the same quarterback when you go from, you know, the, the, the Brown situation to Carolina's.
Definitely. I mean, yeah, the thing that pissed me off, like I saw that tweet, I'm sure you saw it too, was someone was like, oh, the Giants don't win that game without Daniel Jones. I'm like, come on. Like, I think there was a lot of quarterbacks that could have won that game. Like, I'm not saying like some bum would have won that game, but like, I just feel like we're trying to push narratives too much. I think the but guy Jones, played. Jones was solid. Uh, Jones was solid. If I was giving out game balls, Wink gets the game ball because Wink was the major reason why we won. Um, the defense was definitely stronger than the offense. Uh, Gano gets a game ball. Obviously, he had four field goals, two huge pressure ones for sure. And I gave the fans a game ball. You know, Wink called yeah. out the fans at the start of the game. He said, get on your feet. They were loud as hell. And you look at the third down conversion rate. They were horrible. I think that so far this year, the Giants are only surrendering a third down 21% of the time, which leads the NFL. Uh, that's one good stat. Our, our defense so far, albeit against two mediocre quarterbacks, but still 21%. That's an error we really struggled with with Patrick Graham. And that goes to Wink. Wink's done a great job in terms of dialing up the blitz, being unpredictable on third down, getting off the field. But yeah, for sure, the defense won us the game. Jones helped, but he, he was not the main, the main reason why we won. And I don't want to overlook Saquon Barkley either. I think Barkley was great in this game. The stats may not say it. I think he had 20 carries for like 72 yards, but he had a loaded box for the majority of that yeah. game. And he just kept fighting. I think he only had five yards at halftime. He finished with 72 yards. So he had over 65 yards in the second half running the ball. And he had a number of really big runs down the stretch where he was picking up 10, 11 yards, fighting, pushing the pile. So Barkley had another really good performance. I can't say he matched week one because week one he was on another level. <laughs> but I was just as impressed with him this week. Let's put it that way, based off the circumstance. I agree, yeah. I'm actually glad you brought up the fans. I mean, they were loud. I, you could tell like right away. I have not heard uh, MetLife that loud for the Giants in a while, so that was great to see. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, I think Barkley has looked great. I know the stats weren't the same as last week, but like the guy still made some big plays when we needed him to. That first run on the final drive where he picked up seven yards on the first yeah, huge, run, huge. offensive line did a great job, but he was running hard on that play. There was a play in the third quarter where he ran very hard as well. I forget what drive it was specifically. I don't know if it was the touchdown drive, but anyway, he was running hard and he's making jump cuts like he can trust that knee once again. Like he he looks great. We mentioned it last week is as long as he's healthy, that man's going to be in, you know, maybe not the offensive player of the year, but he's going to be in the conversation. Like there's guys having great seasons out there. He's going to have 2,000 scrimmage yards if he stays healthy. This he year. probably will. Yeah. I don't <laughs> see why not. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to have a big year. I, I think he's going to have a big year. I wanted to ask you this question. Like, what would you say are the top three reasons the giants are two and zero right now? Cause I think my answer would be probably Don Martindale. Yeah. Number two. I just think the offensive play calling is probably better. And like Saquon three, I, I would say coaching adjustments at halftime. Sure, sure. You know, yeah. the more the offense, more specifically. Well, the, but I I will say the defensive adjustments week two were even more impressive to me than the offensive adjustments. But week one, the offense has been good both weeks in terms of the adjustments. So yeah. just the coaching adjustments at halftime, the improved coaching overall would be by far my biggest reason. Uh, whether it be Wink, whether it be Dable, whoever, um, the aggressiveness of the coaching as well, going for it on two. Um, Graham, Gano, I think has to be in the top three, uh, it's a good point factor in this last game. I think he has to, I know people don't like to overlook the kicker. He doesn't score touchdowns, but he's been really important to this team. Uh, the first two weeks. So he's in my top three. Um, and I probably have, I, I think I'd have it for me. It's either Barkley because Barkley was so good week one. It's probably Barkley. But at the same time, you don't want to overlook the job that Zimenez and Jihad Ward did filling in for the two injured uh, edge rushers. So yeah. they, they they deserve some uh, you know credit as well. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. You look at like some of the best running backs in the league, and, and some of the first things out of your mouth will be McCaffrey and Henry. 
I would say the Giants did a pretty good job on them, especially Henry. But like, you know, McCaffrey did get 100 yards. Okay, it was the one big run, but they didn't look like vintage McCaffrey, vintage Henry. And I think coming into the year, the Giants weren't talked up as like one of the better run defenses in football. We know we had Leonard Williams and, and Dexter Lawrence, but like, you know, Blake Martinez was gone. So I don't think people expected the Giants run defense to be good, but I would say so far, you know, outside of that one McCaffrey run, it has been pretty impressive. Yeah, how could it? How could you say it hasn't been? You, you could yeah. argue we've gone up against the two best running backs in the sport going into the year, and we've kept them in check. So Giants have done a great job uh, overall defensively, no no doubt about it. Like we said, Adore Jackson deserves a ton of credit. Cordell fought outside of one drive, and he was horrible in that drive. Yeah. He did as good as I could have hoped for, you know, in that game. So I'll say decent job. Julian Love was great in that game. Uh, Darnay Holmes, I actually thought played pretty good. He, he had a couple of key blitzes. He had a, a nice pass breakup at one point, which was good to see because he got cooked week one. Um, just, just overall, just the defense was just incredible. Uh, week number two, incredible. Definitely. And, you know, hopefully against, uh, as we'll, you know, we'll preview the Cowboys in a bit, but hopefully against a Cooper rush led offense, they can do the same thing here. Um, all right. So like receiver wise, I want to talk about that touchdown pass to Bellinger, his first career catch. It was yeah. a touchdown. So that was great. Full extension. Um, but just like that play design was awesome. Like, you know, you have Jones do like the fake handoff rolls to his left, simple little dump off pass. And the guy's wide open. When the hell have we seen that in recent yeah. years? It, isn't it great? Like even the touchdown against, um, the Chris Myrick touchdown, it was such a well, drawn up play and it's like yeah. you just have to toss. yeah my work was wide open on that wide touch. open right i think you know most of the giants fans could have made that pass like yeah it was, it was um, great and, and it was great I, I think it was a great play design and i think that play was set up as well as it was because of carolina overemphasizing trying to stop saquon barkley so yeah. they ran an rpo he faked it to barkley they overcompensated to try to stop barkley and it was the perfect time to call that play he pulled it back and he was wide open in the flat because they sent eight guys to try to kill Saquon Barkley. So, <laughs> but that whole drive by Jones was masterful. That yeah. that was definitely like that drive. And we need to see more of that. We need to see at least two drives of that a game by Jones, not one. We need to see him progress and get better each and every, you know, throughout the course of the year. But that drive, I mean, he had a huge third down completion to Richie James over the middle for, I think it was like on a third and 11. That was, that was a great throw. Like the zip on that ball was awesome. Placement, yeah. everything. Yeah. And then the other throw, considering where he threw it across his body to the middle of the field to, to, to Richie James. That, considering he was going against his body, he was thrown over the middle of the field, and it wasn't like he was, like, wide open. You know, a lot of times yeah. when you see quarterbacks do that, the guy is, like, wide open. There's nobody, like, no, there was a guy relatively close, so he had to put a good amount of zip on that ball. Um, both of those throws were really good. He made another great throw, too, where I didn't really appreciate it so much while I was watching it live, but when I got to watch the old 22, the throw he had to Sills, uh, when they got it to the 41, that was a great throw. Mm -hmm. So he had three, two, he had three really good throws in this game for me where I was like, wow, like not like Josh Allen throws, but I was like, <laughs> wow, like that's above average quarterback throw. Like that's Baker Mayfield. What ain't making that throw. Right. <laughs> um, Ryan Tannehill's not making that throw. The two quarterbacks we saw the first two weeks. So there were definitely like, even though I'm, I'm not saying I was overly impressed with his overall performance, but there were definitely some moments in that game where I was like, okay, like this is, this is, he's got, he, he has, he has more talent than some people maybe giving him credit. Yeah. For. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. I did like a highlights reaction video. I don't do all 22. I don't have the time anymore, but I do like the highlights reaction. And like, I, I basically said, if Daniel Jones makes more of those type of throws, I would get off his ass. Like, I, yeah. I, I just don't see it enough. And it's, it's annoying because we know he can do it. Like we yeah. see 
you can zip it in there 15 yards to Richie James on a deep slant and you can fit it through a tight window. But why aren't you taking more chances like that? Like, I think maybe Jason Garrett poisoned his brain not to take many chances, but like he's got to get out of it. And we agree the offense will get better, but part of the offense getting better is him taking more chances because if they turn into a team that settles for field goals all the time, they're not going to have a great offense. I think they need to slow. He needs to slowly build up confidence. So far, I like the trajectory. Obviously, we know he needs to. He's at a CC plus right now. By the end of the year, if he wants to stay on, he's got to be at a B plus. So he needs to get better. But I, so far, little baby steps, and I do think they're going to open up this offense by week five or six. It'll come down to, like you said, is he is he going to reach that level of confidence where he's willing to sl- sling the ball, and can we win football games doing that? I mean, Daniel Jones' the last five games, he's four and one. So hopefully, he can continue yeah. it. He That's won three true. Two out of his last three games as a starter last year, in which he beat the Raiders. Uh, and he beat uh, Panthers, the maybe the Eagles. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He got hurt. Right. So he beat the Eagles. He beat the Raiders, two teams that went to the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And now he's off to a two and zero start this year. So he had a Bucks loss in the middle of that. So hopefully he can continue. Hopefully he builds some confidence off these wins and he, and he opens it up a bit as we get going over the course of the year. Definitely. Um, I wanted to ask a question to you. I, I asked this to the people watching the video yesterday. I said, what surprises you more that Richie James is the Giants leading receiver after two weeks or the Giants are two and oh, which surprises you more? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I even said in my post game video after when you look at the box score, you would have thought it was a preseason game because you had mm-hmm. Richie James, David Sills, um, Tanner Hudson, yeah. uh, Daniel Bellinger. I think those were our four leading wide receivers with Sterling Shepard mixed in. So it, it's crazy. Um, I would say Richie James is more surprising being the leading wide receiver because I thought we had a decent shot to beat Carolina. I pro- I would pick this to beat Carolina going into the year. So I had us at one and one, and I didn't think we'd get blown out by Tennessee. But if you would have told me going into the year that Richie James would have more than three or four catches and would be, you know, he'd be, he'd be above guys like Tony and Galladay, I would have been like, no way, unless they were mm-hmm. hurt. They haven't been. Yeah. They've just haven't been utilized in the game plan, which I want to talk more about as, as we come back for the second installment of this, uh, the Galladay news today and everything else. But um, yeah, crazy with Richie James. Absolutely crazy. All right. So as we were saying, we're going to talk about the Giants receivers from week two. Um, we want to talk about Tony. We'll get to the Kenny Galladay quotes in a second here. And Galladay only played two snaps in this game, but we we're mentioning Richie James once again led the Giants in yards this game, 51 on five catches. You had David Sills, you know, three for uh, 37. Sterling Shepard had the most targets with 10, six for 34. Of course, we saw the touchdown for Bellinger and Tanner Hudson, two for 22. But what was your overall takeaway with the wide receiver utilization and things like that? I mean, surprised. You know, I obviously I didn't think that they weren't going to use Galladay at all in that game. Tony was barely used too. I know he's a little bit dinged up, so not quite as surprised with him because you know, based off the way they used him week one, I didn't think he'd have you know a much bigger role this week. Being that you know word came out that he had some kind of dinged up hamstring throughout the week, but Galladay definitely surprised. They didn't expect just two snaps, and I think they only used him in the red zone on that one drive where they scored the touchdown. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, for those two plays, um, my. When I tried to come up with a line of reasoning, and we don't know, we're not there. Um, you know, for all we know, maybe they don't like how he looks in practice. Maybe they feel like he doesn't fit the scheme. Maybe they feel like he didn't get enough work in preseason. We don't know the exact reasoning. But from a game plan standpoint, when I tried to, like, I, I, I was like, all right, they're versus a defense that likes to blitz a lot. They're going to have seven or eight in the box the entire game. So maybe Dable's line of reasoning in this game, if I'm trying to come up with, like, a game plan reasoning, Galladay is a guy that kind of needs time to run his routes, 
uh, Panthers are going to be bring, bringing the blitz. You want to get the ball out quick. You need more receivers out there that could create quick separation. They probably had a lot of max, per, you know, two tight end packages to be able to block a lot of these guys coming in, which is why you saw Tanner Hudson out there a lot. And that might have been the main reason why Galladay was not involved in the game plan this week more so than anything else. Maybe it was just a, maybe it was just a, a based off of this specific team. They, they, you know, and because of the limitations on their offensive line, they don't feel comfortable putting him out there, you know, every single play, knowing that he's a guy that needs some time to develop his routes. Yeah, I, I that's definitely an interesting point. I, I just, I don't know, for a guy to play two snaps. No, I'm make, still shocked. Oh, $72 million. It's, million. it's very, shocked. very yeah. shocking. I mean, my friend who's an Eagles fan texted in our group chat. He's like, you know, the Kenny Galladay contract might be the worst in football. I said, might, might be the worst. Like, come on. Uh, find me a worse one, please. Listen, um, man, as fair, <laughs> as fair as I tried to be to Dave Gettleman, and Dave did do, do some good things. You look at this roster now, Andrew Thomas, good thing. Evan Neal, good thing. I give him credit for McKinney, that. McKinney, yeah. Pick. Gano, McKinney, good thing. Yeah, yeah Graham Gano, good thing. Um, the, the book is still out on Jones. Barkley, good player, not the right pick. But, like, he brought in some good players. But as – he is literally sitting from 2018 on, from when he took over for the Giants, he is literally responsible for the two worst free agent signings in the NFL, Nate Solder and Kenny Galladay. I don't think there's a worse one. Like, I, I can't come up with one. Like history or like just no, no, that over time. that from 2018 oh, yeah. to now. I was going to say Albert Hainsworth's pretty bad, but no, that doesn't count in that time period. Maybe there's uh, one or two worse. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You got to um, look long and hard. <laughs> I'll try to think about that. But yeah, that's, that's pretty rough, honestly. I mean, you know, we were excited, of course, when that happened. I remember back in 2018, I didn't hate the solar thing as much because they needed a left tackle so no, it badly. Made sense. It, made, it sense. made sense, but like that was just the wrong player. And then Galladay just wasn't the right fit. They may have went all in an offseason too early, as we know. But hey, at least, you know, Dory Jackson has worked out so far, whether they overpaid or not. He is definitely producing for them. Um but yeah, I just, as you said, like it looked like a preseason type stat line. I was not expecting, I will say Sterling Shepard looks really good coming off the Achilles. There's a couple guys, even James Robinson, that Jaguars running back. He looks good too off the Achilles. So hopefully these Achilles injuries are a thing of the past for these NFL players. But um, just even seeing Richie James out there so much kind of playing the role that, that we would, that we would see Kadarius Tony playing. It was very shocking. And just, you know, seeing David Zills just flat out play over Kenny Galladay was not something I expected a month ago, even two weeks ago. It's just, it's wild. I know Galladay had a rough preseason and things were not looking good for him, but my goodness, to, to not play at all, basically, it's just like very surprising. I, di I didn't notice it, of course. Then I saw one of the beat reporters said, oh, Galladay's only played one snap through the first half. I was like, excuse me? Like, is he hurt? Like, what's going yeah. on here? So, um but I'll let you touch on it because you made a video today. How did you react to Kenny Galladay's comments? And you can just go over them real quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but he basically said, you know, paraphrasing a bit that um, he's not happy that he was benched. Um, and he basically said that um, he'd be, he, he hinted at the fact that if things don't improve, he could potentially be open to a trade and to try to, you know, get himself out of New York and, um, I forgot his exact wording, but the, he he was pretty blunt. Let's put it that way. That he was not happy with what the New York Giants did, and I can understand it from a competitor standpoint. You know, you're, you're a guy that's had success in the NFL, and you're getting benched for David Sills. You're getting benched for a guy that's a converted wide receiver. Uh, you know, was a quarterback and has not been able to stick on with an NFL roster. He barely made the team this year, and you get benched for a guy like that. So obviously, it's a slap in the face. He feels that way. But at the same time, I don't feel bad for Kenny Galladay. I just don't. 
Um, Galladay, we saw, and and maybe, and listen, I, I try to be as fair as I can. People were riding Kenny Galladay this year in training camp because it didn't look like he was putting forth a ton of effort. Then it came out after the fact that he had some kind of offseason procedure. So I said, okay, maybe he's trying to keep his body safe for the season. I tried to be as fair as I can, didn't overreact to the preseason stuff. But at the end of the day, Kenny Galladay was not drafted by Joe Shane. He, they, these guys have nothing to do with why he's here. And for people, because I see people on Twitter say, oh, I feel bad for Galladay. It's Daniel Jones' fault why Galladay's not producing. <laughs> A dipshit. The, 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 Kenny Galladay chose to play with Daniel Jones. Kenny Galladay took $72 million. He could have went to the Cincinnati Bengals for probably a little bit less money. They were offering him a contract to play with Joe Burrow. He said, no, I'll take the extra money, and I'm going to play with Daniel Jones. So when you take that kind of contract, whether the Giants overpaid or not, if you're Kenny Galladay, it is your job to be the number one weapon and to improve and make your younger quarterback become a better player. Kenny Galladay has not done that. Mm -hmm. So I understand why fans are frustrated, and I don't feel bad at all. For Kenny Galladay, he got paid. He hasn't produced. Get out on the football field. I'm sorry, I don't feel bad for you. That's my take on it. Nothing wrong with that. Was he supposed to go to the Bengals? I thought it was the Ravens. Was it really the Bengals? I know that there were teams interested, and other than just the Giants, I know that I thought Cincinnati was one of them. I was gonna say if if he went to the Bengals, that could have changed like history because I don't think they would have drafted Jamar Chase at that point. Well, maybe they would have. I don't know. But no, they probably take Penny Sewell. Yeah, that's a crazy thought. All right. So um the snap count wise though, so David Sills week one played 45% of snaps. He went to 92% of snaps in week two. Yeah, so he took Galladay's role. He took his role. Um Richie James dropped though. Richie James went from 70% to 42%, but with that, Kadarius Tony had four times his amount of snaps. Quick math went from seven to 28 snaps, 12% to 38%. So I think Tony We'll see him in hopefully the 50 to 60% area this upcoming week. They might slowly work him in. Maybe they throw him out there for 80%. I have no idea, but I want to see Tony play. I think we all do. I know some people are kind of just done with him already. I, I get it, but like he's too talented to just play 38% of the snaps on this football team. This is not a Giants team that has Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz and, and Mario Manningham out there. This, this is not the same situation. So um, I do want to see Tony play more. He probably will. And as for Kenny, 77% week one, okay. Not as many as you'd want, but it's not terrible. Uh, 3% last week. It's, it's just crazy where it's gone. And it's interesting that, like, let me ask you, where do you think this is going to end up with Kenny Galladay? Because I have no idea. I'm intrigued to see where this goes. I don't know if he'll get traded. I mean, God bless any team that takes that contract. I was going to say, I don't see a market for him. Yeah, I mean, I know the Giants still have to eat a lot of that money, but you're still on. If you trade for him, you're still on the books for next year, the year after that. So, like, I don't really see it. Maybe a team is desperate enough, and they feel like they're a weapon away like that that they're willing to give up a fifth round pick or something to bring Kenny Galladay in. But I don't see it. And if they're not going to trade him, that means he's going to be here. Because if we cut him, it's actually going to cost us money. So I, I think it's going to be a situation where he's going to have to make do with whatever the New York Giants want to do. And if he's not a team player, well, maybe you put him on the practice squad just so he doesn't disrupt the locker room. Um, You know, if he's not (laughs) happy with his role, but if Dable feels like it's in the best interest of the team to alter what he does with his wide receivers on a week by week basis. And Kenny Galladay's not happy with that too bad. Brian Dable's the head coach. Brian Dable wasn't the coach when you were brought here. It's his decision. I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the head coach. Yeah, I know as fans, sometimes we think we know more than sometimes the coaches and all well, that. Like, Jimenez thing's a perfect example. That's true, yeah. But I was going to say, like, I, I trust Brian Dable to know, like, what a good receiver looks like versus what a guy who doesn't deserve to play looks like. Like, this guy came from 
a team that had, you know, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis. He he's seen what a good receiver looks like. Gabe Davis is a good size comparison for Galladay. Like he knows what it's supposed to look like. And in his mind, if he don't, if he thinks, because Brian Dable is not out here to tank in week two. He's he wants to win these effing games. Did you see he, the way they reacted in the locker room? How happy? Oh yeah. I, like, I, no, he's he's yeah. He he on it. He one hundred percent believes that last week David Sills gave him a better chance to win. He's that's not that's it. That's the point I was getting to. Exactly. And we, and Mike, we may not know. It may not, he may be seeing something in practice that us as fans don't see. Like Mm -hmm. Galladay had a procedure in the offseason. He may look at Galladay and say, no, he is not himself. He is not, he's not going to help this team as much as Sills. He, he knows a lot more than we do. He gets to see these guys each and every day in practice, in training camp. So I'm going to trust the head coach. It's his job to do this. And listen, Sills had a couple of big catches. He had probably one of the, maybe the biggest catch of the game yeah. on that play where Daniel Jones hit him at the 41. So it is what it is. We all want to see Galladay, especially with the money he's making, but I'm not one of those guys. Like I don't care if he makes $72 million. If if they feel Sills is better for that week's game plan to have him out there, I'm going to trust the head coach to, to make the right decision. Absolutely. I, I just, you know, I know he played more in week one. I didn't see anything week one where I was like, oh, you got to play Galladay more. He caught those two yards. those two curl routes. Like, okay, they, they were playing zone. You sat down in, in the empty spot of the zone and caught a ball and didn't go anywhere. All right, whatever. So I, I definitely – I don't want to say I definitely support what Dable's doing, but, like, I get it. I'm not going to be frustrated. Of course, this is a guy that led the NFL in touchdown catches just three years ago, and now he's here. It sucks, and I was hoping for a lot more, but – if Sills gives Are you the a little jo- surprised we haven't seen Slayton at all? I am. I actually was just looking at that. He had what I think he had four percent of snaps or five percent, and then he had zero the first week. I mean yeah. Yeah. I think he was on the practice squad the first week. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like because <laughs> he typically has pretty good chemistry with Jones. I know he drops a lot of bowls, but Jones seems to look for him and he's a guy that could stretch the field. But I like I said with Galladay, I feel like I could see Slayton and Galladay have bigger roles as they start to feel more confident about their line being able to pass protect and about Jones being more confident in this offense as they look to take more shots down the field. I think that's when maybe you'll see more five wide sets. We haven't seen that yet, really. Um, you'll see more slate and you'll see more Galladay once this, this team starts to develop, but I just feel like they don't, they feel like they're not quite there yet where they're, they're able to open up that offense yet. Yeah. I want to ask you that question. Do you think that, they're not opening up the offense because they don't trust Jones or is it because of like, it's just a new thing and they're trying to. I honestly, I honestly, I, and I know a lot of people are speculating it's because of Jones. I don't think that's the case. Um, Even if they don't trust Jones or if they're questionable about Jones, they need to find out what Jones is this year. And I think they realize that. They, yeah. So no, I don't think their ultimate plan is to, to use Jones in this fashion all year. I don't think they're going to make him a game manager throwing for 180 yards all year. No, I think they're going to open up this offense. I think it's the line and the fact that it's a new scheme, not just for Jones, but the receivers on the roster. Um, they're, they're all still learning it together. And you have Saquon Barkley. So it's like, what you know, you have an unfamiliar quarterback in terms of this offense with his receivers that aren't on the same page. You have an interior offensive line right now that is probably the worst in football in terms of pass protection that have never played together before. They need to grow some chemistry with one another. And you hope by week five, week six, they're at least okay so where you could start to open up this offense. But I think because of the limitations mainly on the line, they're like the first five weeks or so, we're going to ride Saquon Barkley until such time we feel comfortable in really starting to open up this offense. So I don't think it's Jones. I think it's more the line 
and the fact that they're still getting accustomed to the new offense. Yeah, and you would think by week five, they're probably going to be in a negative game script with the Packers and playing some catch-up, you would think. So they may have to air it out more times than they would want to in like a neutral game script situation. So we'll see. But I do want to I do want to see Galladay play more when they decide to open up the offense and pass the ball downfield yeah. because that's what he's been good at. So I do want to see that. But um, all right, so any other thoughts about week two? I mean, winning's great. Well, no. That's it. 2-0, oh. right? That's it. I, oh. I don't care how we get it. And and I said it today on Twitter. It's like, Mike, I see a lot of people talking about like the teams that we beat. I got people saying on Twitter, oh, you you beat two winless teams. It's been two weeks and we're undefeated, which means all they had to do was lose one other game to be winless. So it's not like you're not, you're not going to rain on my parade. We're 2-0. and oh. There's no style points in the NFL. This isn't the college football. 2-0 uh, and oh is 2-0. and oh. I don't care how you got there. Just find ways to win football games. It could be the ugliest thing in the world. And the other thing I'm going to continue to say, if you're listening to this, at least in my opinion, you can do what you want as a fan. Have a little bit of patience with this offensive scheme. I know we don't love all the play calling. We should have touched on the second quarter. The Kafka play call, the design run for Jones on the goal line, that was a horrible call. <laughs> I, I know that like there's things that we don't like along the way, but have, have some patience. Look at 2007, Mike. Uh, Spagnola. I, I, I don't know if you remember that. Maybe you were a little too young. Or, but, I was pretty young, yeah. Yeah, but in 2007, <laughs> the Giants defense was horrible the first three weeks. People were calling Steve Spagnuolo a moron, and then that defense found their stride. They got used to the scheme, and probably from weeks four on, they were one of the top two or three defenses in football. The first three weeks, they were one of the worst. So it takes a little bit of time, and, sometimes, and offensive schemes typically probably take a little bit longer than defensive schemes to pick up. So as much as you hate the P word, as much as I realize it's Jones's fourth year, it's a brand new offense, not just for Jones, but for everybody from within it. So have a little bit of patience. Let that, you know, and, and I think these wins should buy them that. But give them another three weeks, four weeks or so to really get used to this. And I truly do believe, Mike, we're going to start to see this open up. I hope you're right. I mean, yeah, I like that comparison with Spagnolo. I mean, I was like 11 or 12, but that team did have more horses than this team did, you know, with like oh, I'm not straight hand, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all those like, guys. Like with those horses, the defense sucked the first three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Like it was bad. <laughs> and then it became like the best in the league. Yeah, I think me and you have pretty realistic expectations for the most part. We don't think the Giants offense will be top five this year. We don't. Oh. It's We're hoping for like just – Scored 22 points a game, 23. Like If their you know league I mean? average over the second half of the year, I'm not even saying like league average for the year. If their yeah. league average for the second half of the year, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, like, exactly. Like if you're the 16th best offense from weeks nine on because of the growth of this team and you're trending upwards, I, I will be happy with that growth. And if they can play defense at this level and, you know, hopefully when our pass rushers come back, they'll be better, you would assume. As long as the offense is decent and putting up somewhere in the mid 20s per game scoring wise, they're going to win some games. You know what I mean? So they just have to get a little better offensively, stay where they are defensively, and they might get themselves eight, nine wins. I mean, we'll we'll see. Hopefully that's the recipe for success. Um, all right. So week three, we'll do a little mini preview here. It's a Monday night game, so we're still a little far away, which sucks, but definitely excited for it. Dallas is third in sacks. I'm looking at, they have eight sacks on the year, third most in football trailing Buffalo and Tampa Bay. Um, Micah Parsons is a madman this year, but the giants at least have two good tackles that can try to help mitigate that. But I think for me, I'm scared of Dallas's defense. I have concerns about our offense, putting up enough points in that game, but on the flip side, can Dallas's offense put up enough points to beat the Giants? I'm expecting a low-scoring game. You never know. But that's what I would assume so far looking at this matchup. Yeah, I haven't really dove into it quite yet. Uh, I'll probably do my matchup uh, preview video probably on like Friday. I haven't dove into like the stats because I just haven't had time. But 
just looking at it on paper, and I know Cooper Rush looked pretty good in the first half last week, and a lot of people were saying that. Listen, <laughs> it's Cooper Rush. And listen, um, now Wink has tape on Cooper Rush, being that Cooper Rush played a game. Uh, the Cincinnati really didn't, right, in the, in the offense that Dallas is currently running. So the way I look at it, Mike, is I think Cooper Rush will be at more of a disadvantage now that there's, there's one game at game tape on him. I think Wink will be able to dial up a blitz that's going to confuse this guy, right? He's a, he's a young, inexperienced quarterback, doesn't have a lot of experience in the NFL. Uh, going up against a defense like Wink's, I think that's a recipe to, uh, for disaster for Dallas, for sure. I think we definitely could create some turnovers in this game. On offense, yeah, I worry about it, and I do, this is not the week. Um, for all the fans out there that are crying to see Daniel Jones throw for 300 yards and open up the offense, this is not the week to do it. Um, you're going up against, like you said, Micah Parsons. They have eight sacks. They've been dominating in that area. Um, and you're going up against an offense that you're not going to have to put up a whole lot of points to win the game. So it's not a week, in my opinion, where you should take more risks. As as, as much as that may suck, I think this is a game, if you're the Giants, you have to go in there and try to win dirty. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Um, try to run the football, have two tight end sets. When you do throw the football, make sure you have some help for Evan Neal, where I think Micah Parsons will be paired up on. They'll try to take advantage of the rookie right tackle. Um, so definitely have some help there, whether it be Myrick, Hudson, uh, maybe Barkley to chip block, whatever else it may be. But you're going to need to help Evan Neal in this game, no doubt about it, because Parsons is an animal. Um, but I think you have to stay committed to the ground game for sure in, in a game like this. This is not the week to open up the offense. Yeah, I'll see how the Cowboys defense is doing with rushing yards per game. Um and I do think, by the way, Mike, if we could establish a decent round ground game, I do see an opportunity where we it, similar to week one where we hit that one huge play to Shepard, I could see a play like that in this game. Cause we all know like yeah, yeah. is not allergic to getting burnt <laughs> over the top. <laughs> that's for sure. Um they're allowing four point two yards per carry on defense. That's like thirteenth yeah, middle middle yeah. of the pack. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they listen, I want them to stick with the run in this type of game. Um, they shouldn't get behind that much in this game where they would have to pass the ball. So, um, And with Cooper Rush, I mean, he had – I don't know if you watched that game, but he had so many dropped interceptions by the Bengals' defense. I yeah, mean, I like, I didn't, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch enough of <laughs> I think Mike Hilton had a ball literally in his chest and he just dropped it. That's that's why they play defense, as they say. But like he he will make mistakes in this game, I think. So especially with the Giants and their, you know, blitz heavy, uh, you know, defense, I think they have the third highest blitz percentage in football. If you come you combine that with a Dory playing well on the outside and their corners holding up right now and. You know, I think Aaron Robinson should be back, right? Appendicitis. I've never had it. I don't know how long he'll be know. out. I don't know. If not, I'm hoping the week after. But yeah, yeah, we get the extra day, so that helps. But hopefully, yeah. he's back by then. But, um, but even then, we have our safeties playing well. I think maybe we'll see even more Dane Belton. We'll see if they go away from like the traditional. And we might see Kayvon Thibodeau. Even better. I'm very that excited would be for exciting. that. That yeah. would be exciting. Can you imagine he comes out and has like two sacks already and like strip sack or something like <laughs> oh give like those micah parsons vibes from last year with yeah, exactly the yeah that yeah. immediate impact uh you think about if if cave on is what we hope he could be which is you know an, an upper ash like what so far what we've seen from uh what's his name on on the lions uh oh hutchinson yeah yeah he had three sacks last week yep. if it could be that type of impact with with what we've seen so far in this defense you had a player like that where you don't have to blitz quite as much he could just get natural pressure like he can make this defense a lot better. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that would stop Martindale, but it no, would help. <laughs> it would, it would, but it would make the blitz more effective because teams would have to double up him and it would give you more lanes for the for the safeties and the linebackers would come in off the blitzes.
Definitely. Yeah. Uh, even Dallas's defense on third down percentage, they're 13th once again. So they're, they're looking pretty league average in like the main categories. Do you know the Buccaneers defense is allowing 6.5 points per game? That's insane. I know it's two weeks, but still. Yeah. Well, they, they kept the Saints <laughs> in check for sure. I think it was, uh, 20, they gave, yeah, because they gave up 10 to the Saints and they gave up three to the Cowboys week one. So, yep, 13 points in two weeks. Yeah, Jameis Winston went full 2019 mode again. Um, <laughs> Cowboys defense allowing 18 per game. That's actually tied with the Giants. So, I mean, yeah, like these, I, I say Dallas's defense is better than ours right now, but it's not by a lot. You know what I mean? Like they're still in that same ballpark. And um, who the hell is the coach, the defensive coordinator, the 28 3 Falcons coach, Dan yeah, Quinn? Yeah, um, um, he's, Quinn. yeah, he's been doing a great job with that defense, of course. Got to give them credit. But, you know, as you said, hopefully with the Giants, they can find Barkley and get I a think couple. It's going to be a game of who, who turns the ball over less. That's. Who makes least less mistakes in this game is ultimately going to be who. That's exactly what I said last week, and it's probably right. <laughs> and we didn't talk it, about – Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, they gifted us with the two early fumbles. We didn't yeah. talk about that. That, unfortunately, only went in six points. But, like, that was huge, how they just gave us the ball on the first freaking kickoff of the game and then Anderson fumbles. I mean, that was a gift, but I was hoping for at least a 10 nothing lead to start out, not 6 nothing. Yeah, but I, I just feel like when you look at these two teams, that both defenses are ultra-aggressive. Like, Quinn is going to blitz a lot. We're going to blitz a lot. You have two, you know, mediocre quarterbacks that, you know, we don't have Pat Mahomes playing in this game, right? So, mm -hmm. like, I, I just feel like you have two teams that are going to try to create a lot of turnovers in the way that we play defense. Whoever whoever creates less is is going to lose this game on defense. So, uh, and I, I think in the end, the Giants will, will do a better job at that. I think we'll be able to hold on to the ball. Jones, as much as he hasn't exploded this year, he's done a pretty good job in terms of limiting mistakes and, uh, I think we'll come out with a conservative game plan, knowing the opponent we're going up against. And it'll be like a, you know, so, similar to last week, like a 17-14 yeah. type game. Like, I, I think it'll be an ugly, muddy win, but I think we'll get a win. Yeah, it's not going to be one of those fun type games to watch. But still, I mean, a win's a win. We'll take it if they can get it. Um, is Jones, Jones has not won on primetime, right? Is that correct? Yeah, he should have last year. We should have beat Washington. Yeah, oh, my ball. God. Yeah, uh, yeah but <laughs> people say that stat, Mike. And I get it, but to be fair, look at who he's played on primetime. Like with with a horrible Giants team, usually when you're on primetime, you're playing great teams, right? He yeah. played, he played like uh, Steelers, Bucks twice, I think. He uh, played the Bucks twice. One year they won the Super Bowl. He played both years with Tom Brady. He played yeah. the Steelers. He played. Um, he's played some very the Eagles, Patriots, Patriots. Yeah, rookie year. year they, yeah. they were really good. So he's gone against really good teams. So it's like. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't have a good record on prime time. Yeah, exactly. Um, meant to say something else. Damn it. Now I forget. But uh, any other comments about this game? I and mean, we expect it to be low scoring. Hopefully, yeah, nice, I, I just, you know. yeah, that's, I think it'll come down to the defense again and establishing the ground game. It's going to be very similar. I expect Jones to be right around 200 yards passing again, 180 to 200 yards, um, and try to establish that game with Barkley. I think that's going to be the game plan. And I think it'll be the game plan week four as well, if I'm looking ahead to Chicago, because I think it's very similar. You have a limited quarterback. You're going to ask Jones not. They'll open it up a bit more in that game just because I I think they'll open it up a bit more against the Bears in terms of throwing the football. It'll be another, year, another week advanced. But it's the same thing. When you're going up against these inferior opponents, which I do believe Dallas and Chicago are right now, with Dak not playing and Smith out the left tackle, it's it's going to be a game where you, you ask Jones not to lose you the game. Exactly. That's it. So – as much as it may suck and people are going to get on Jones, I think it's the right approach by Dable this week. So 
don't get mad if just find a way to win. <laughs> and I think it's Dable's job to come up with the game plan that gives this team the best opportunity to win. And I think this week that's that. If Jones opens it up and throws for 300 yards, but throws an extra pick or two because of it, it could cost us the game going up against a team like this. So yeah. I expect more conservative uh, this week. And I, I think it's the right game plan. Even the next you know, two weeks, if they go conservative, I can live with it because I think the next two games are going to be which team plays the cleaner game between the yeah. Cowboys game and the Bears game. By the way, I think we're we're home for the Bears game, correct? Yeah, I'm going to that game. Yeah. Nice. So I think we win that game by a touchdown or more. And I cannot remember the last time I've said that about the Giants. I just don't think Chicago's good at all. Like they And really... you're picking the Giants this week. I can't because I've picked against them the first two weeks. I'm doing weeks. the same thing. On my right. pick video, I'm picking against them. <laughs> But when I do when I talk in my live streams, I'll be I'm picking us to win. I think we're gonna I, yeah. I think we're gonna win. But yes, I'm doing the same thing as you. I'm keeping my routine up. I'm picking against them because it's been working. But if you if your brain is telling you you think the Giants are gonna win this game, that means you think they're gonna start four and zero. Yeah. No, I think yeah, which is crazy. I do think the Giants win this game. Now I'm afraid to say it out loud, but yeah, I do think the Giants win this game. I think they win this. Like if by... you weren't a Giants fan and you weren't superstitious at yeah. all. Yeah. You're just a guy from Florida betting on a football game. You would bet the Giants. I would. What are they, minus two and a half, minus three? Yeah, I think it's minus two, minus two and a half. I would take the Giants, yeah. yeah I will so- I will take Dallas on the spread pick show just to keep it, you know, keep it going. But now I think the Giants should win this game. It's, of course, you know, primetime Giants, things have not gone well. I would be shocked well. if they lose. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but-, but I, 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 I think I feel very similar to this game the same way I felt about Carolina. Going in, I thought it was a game we could lose. You know, I was worried about some things. McCaffrey, like you said. But I thought we, we were about a two or three point better team. I feel the same way with no Dak, with Rush in there and, and no Tyron Smith. I think we're like a three points better. So I think we should win. I'd say like a 60% chance we win. Like it's not like a shoe in But yeah, I'm with you. I think we're going to beat the Bears too. So we might get off to a 4-0 start. Yeah, I, it is, this may sound idiotic, but I feel better about this game than I did about the Panthers one. And it's like, that's a Cowboys team that just beat the defending AFC champions. And I was more scared of the Panthers who haven't done shit the past God knows how many years. I know it's a dumb thing to say, but maybe I'm just more confident in this Giants team than I was. Because like week one, it's like, okay, kind of fluky, you know, yeah, anything yeah. could happen. But then you see week two and it's like, this team's actually establishing a winning identity. Maybe this is for real. So, you know, maybe I'm getting like sucked in too much now, but I do think the Giants should win uh, Monday night. I almost said Sunday. I think they should win Monday night. I really don't see why not. I think you can argue they're the more talented team, much better coached. Oh my goodness, much better yeah. coached than you know, obviously with Mike McCarthy. Um, this is what I wanted to ask you. We'll we'll kind of end on this um this little funny thing here. So I'm sure you you have like a full time job now, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you have people that like talk sports at work and all that. Um. I've heard I've already heard a couple people say, you know, I think the Cowboys might be better with Cooper Rush than Dak Prescott. I'm like, Jesus Christmas. Like, I love how we just made these quick <laughs> reactions and not saying Prescott's like great. I don't think he's even top I don't think 10. He's great. No. But like, my goodness. I, I get Rush is like two and oh. He's had two impressive victories, but like, come on. No, like <laughs> no, no, he's not too. Oh, you mean last year? Last year he beat the Vikings. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. They're not better with Cooper Rush. <laughs> like, like, no, like, yeah, no. Um, I'm gonna tell you what though, Mike. And maybe it's an overreaction. Did we overrate the Bengals? Did they just go on like a fluky Super Bowl run? Did we overrate them a little bit? Well, now, you'll you'll 
You'll like this as a Knicks fan. I've seen so many people call Joe Burrow Jeremy Lin, and it's I find it so funny. <laughs> well, like my like part of me is like it might be because Cincinnati, similar to us, had a lot of turnover on their offensive line, and it yeah. may take them three or four more weeks to really get used to playing with one another because they improved it from a talent standpoint. But it doesn't matter when you've never played together. It takes a little time to build some chemistry. But I do think people jumped the gun a little bit on Joe Burrow. And, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, Joe Burrow, I still think is going to be a really good quarterback. But when you really go back and look at last year, Joe Burrow wasn't the real reason they went to the Super Bowl. It was their defense why they went to the Super Bowl. They shut out Pat Mahomes in the second half. They got three picks against Tannehill. Like the Cincinnati Bengals, it was a team effort. I'm not saying Burrow yeah. had nothing to do with it. He played well. But I feel like people jumped the gun a little bit on Cincinnati coming into this year. Yeah, I heard. I I love the offseason offensive line moves they made. Uh, Lyle Collins and I think Ted Karras, and they yep. got Kappa from the Buccaneers, and that looked great. Their offensive line was the big issue watching them in the playoffs last year, and they still got to the Super Bowl. But I heard a stat today on a podcast. I forget where now, but some podcast that their offensive line, like you know, allowing pressure wise, is like the second worst in football. And Joe Burrow for quarterback responsible sacks is also second worst in football so like they just have a horrible combination of burrow holding onto the ball too much and the pass blocking offensive line being trash you look at their offensive line talent wise it's not bad but as you said maybe it's going to take a little while to get together if they lose to the jets this week they might as well just forfeit the problem. rest of the year i, I, That's I don't a problem. we didn't speaking talk about which, the jets what a win by the jets oh man. my god yeah i never thought they'd beat the cleveland browns no. so never and granted they, they got well, what's his name at quarterback? Uh, Brissett, but Brissett, yeah. never thought Joe Flacco was going to beat that Cleveland team. So that that was probably the biggest shocker of week two. Was that yeah. one? That was that was a shocker. And the Colts getting shut out against Jacksonville, twenty four nothing. That may have shocked me more. I don't know. Yeah, but the, oh my god, the Colts! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> can yeah, you imagine that fan base i mean they they gotta do something they, these old quarterbacks it ain't working out and they gotta do something here yeah but we'll <laughs> see mike hopefully next week when you come on we're talking about a 3-0 team getting ready to take on the chicago bears who just threw for 70 yards uh last week and mm. uh, definitely a team i think we could hopefully take advantage of and maybe then you're looking at 4-0 and then you say to yourself eh Maybe Rogers get some bad sleep before the London game. We could get lucky there. Who knows? But yeah. let's get let's get the three and zero before we get the four and zero. I'm looking forward to Monday night. Who uh, who commentates Monday night games? I forget. Oh uh, wow, um, this isn't like Tarico, right? This I is... think it's um, I think it's Buck now. I think oh, they... you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched the Manning cast, but I think it's yeah. Buck. <laughs> I think it's Buck. Now. Is the Manning cast on this week? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure because they we'll don't find do it. They, uh, but the Giants are playing. You would think they'd be on. Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah. Eli, right? You yeah, would you would think. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Like I, like some of my best memories as a Giants fan growing up are like watching those primetime games and you know the NBC games, especially like playing Dallas on a Sunday night, getting a big victory, things like that. Um, it's bringing back those old vibes, like that nostalgia in a way. You know what I mean? Like just bringing me oh, back yeah. to my. I mean, like I'm dying for the times that you look at the schedule and you're like, oh, the Giants are on Sunday night three times this year. Yeah, exactly. That's what we had when Eli. You know, when even when even when we were bad because of Odell, the team was still nationally relevant. Um, but we haven't had that since you know probably like 2017. Where, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it'll be nice to hopefully get back to that maybe next year, but obviously, you know, one year at a time, but yeah, this definitely has those, but I, I, I'm still considering going to this game. We'll see, but I'm definitely going to the game uh, against the bears uh, week four. Yeah. Um, my, my, uh, 
my dad offered me tickets, but it was like the worst seats possible. I don't like going to football games in the first place. I'm like, you give me 40 to 40 yard line area, I'll go. But like, it was like corner top of the stadium. I was yeah. like, I'm good. I'll, I'll stay home. I tell but... you what, Mike, out of all the sports, the atmosphere for football is awesome. You get yeah. there for the tailgate. The crowd is awesome. But the viewing experience, it's the worst of the no, four. I can't do it. And it's, and it's actually a sport where it's much better on TV. Like hockey is much worse on TV. It's much better in person. Um, basketball, basketball too, I, right? I'd say it's better in person. I think the other three sports are better in person, where with football, it's football is meant for TV because you yeah. get all the different camera angles. It's such a wide field. Um, yeah, football is just a – I love going to football games, but in terms of a viewing experience, TV is much better. Absolutely. 100% agree. Um, all right, so I think that's going to wrap it up here. And I hope next time I see your face, we're 3-0, and and we'll talk about it on your channel next week. Check them out. The Entertainer. I'm sure you guys know him by now. Great channel over there. Um, I'll let you close it out, buddy. No, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always have fun coming on the channel. Looking forward to having you back on the channel next week as we continue this this year. And, yeah, hopefully we have more smiles. I mean, it's nice <laughs> to finally be talking about a team that's winning football games and not go. You know, I I, I, say, I, say, I think I said on our first pod, Mike, I was petrified by week two, week three. Mm. Yeah, Mike, how, did you see the college football game last week? What did you think of Anthony Richardson? <laughs> and I would have said no. <laughs> yeah, but what, but, but what I'm saying, that would have been like what fans wanted to hear about. Two weeks in, if we started off 0-2, mm. they, already, they already would have turned their sights to the draft. So it's nice to actually feel like we're going to be able to talk about this team in the net here and now, I think, for the majority of this year. And, I mean, yeah, and, and November, at least, I think we're good. We're chilling. Yeah, so it's nice. It's nice to get off to a nice start and – have a favorable schedule coming up. Two games that I think we should be favored next week. Like, I'd be surprised if we're not at least a ring one after four. Me too, yeah. So that's promising, even well, if we get three and one. Now that we're talking about it, I'd be a little disappointed if we're not 4-0, but that's kind of what I'm expecting now, which maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's possible. I would say, say 40% 4 Um, just because I, I would favor us in both games, but to win both, I'd probably put it at about 40%. But I would say, like, at least an 85% chance we should be 3-1 and one or better Yeah. I, with these two upcoming games, which if we get to 3-1, and one, then you got two challenging games. Don't get me – don't get it twisted. We could very well be looking at 3-3 three and three if we're 3-1 and one with the Packers and the Ravens, but then it opens up. As we've said, that four-game window, if you could take three, which I think is possible between the Jaguars, the Texans, the Seahawks, and Lions, uh, Lions yeah. you could take three of those, and you were 3-3 three and three going in, suddenly you're 6-4. and four. Mm-hmm. Or even seven and three if we get to four and all. So yeah, one game at a time. But you look at the upcoming schedule and it's it's exciting uh, as a Giants fan. Yeah, Jags and Lions look pretty good, but a lot can change in a week, as we know, with quarterback injuries and what have you. So we'll yeah. find out. And the Colts don't look so good, so maybe we win that yeah, one. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point. That's a good point. We were scared of that game coming into the year. Um. All right, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys for joining. If you made it this far, this feels like a long video, but I hope you guys enjoyed I thought it was a good one, so hopefully you guys Always enjoyed. Is. Always is, Mike. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week on Chris's channel. Hopefully we see you at 3-0. Let's do it.